It's two years before the murder. You're waiting in the lobby of the church office. You'll be meeting with the administrator today. The office is plain. Old wood paneling covers one of the walls. You spot a pair of deer antlers behind the main desk. Part of you feels bad for the deer. You would never kill anything so innocent. Soon a tall redheaded man enters the lobby. He has a deep voice and introduces himself as Tim. He leads you into his office. He starts out by saying that his friends at the church in Savannah had nice things to say about you. You nod kindly. You know that the administration at your old church has no idea who Tim is. But you play his game. You humbly give all of the credit for your previous success to his friends at the old church. Tim asks what brings you to town, and you seize the opportunity to talk about your wife. You even throw in a desire to start a family. Everyone loves a new family. It's only 10 minutes into the conversation and the subject has already shifted away from you. You can tell that you're in. Topics meander from the Bible to politics to sports and eventually to the town gossip. In less than one hour, you're being offered a full-time position as a senior minister. As Tim is walking you out, he asks how you're settling in. You say that you have a lot to learn. As you exit the building and enter the parking lot, he asks if you've heard of the cicadas, and you say no. He says they've been underground for 15 years now, and that's one of the longest periods of time that they've ever hibernated. You jokingly say that you're here now, and maybe you'll bring them out. You wink at your new friend. It's time to start over. Your name is Sam, and you are the killer. As time progresses, you and your wife Alice start to settle into your new life. This is your fourth move together. You've been married for seven years now, and like all married couples, you've fallen into a pattern. You kill, and she cleans it up. In some ways, it's the perfect partnership. She understands you more than anyone ever has. She gives you space and never tries to control you. But in other ways, the relationship feels empty. There's no chase and the passion faded long ago. You're starting to feel like you're caught in a time loop. When you first moved to a new town, your urge to kill was easy to contain. You use this time to methodically build a protective shell around you and Alice. Step by step, you integrate yourselves into each new town. You always start by gathering information on the police, and then you get involved in local government. You and Alice attend any event you can find to build your circle of friends. But as time progresses, the urge slowly starts to build. Eventually, it turns into a fire. A fire you wish you could hold on to forever. You love the anger, the passion, the elation right before a kill. But inevitably, the fire always turns cold. And then that's when it happens. That's when you connect to the voice of a higher power. That's when you kill the object of your rage. The urge recedes. You feel empty again. You move to a new town. The cycle continues. But this time you can tell that things will be different. You've met a woman. Her name is Helen. You've had mistresses in the past, but never anything like this. You love Helen. When you're around her, you feel more alive than you ever have before. 
This is the kind of relationship that you've always wanted. She makes you feel lighter somehow. Like your past never happened. And at the same time, she also anchors you. You feel grounded in a way that makes you believe you can finally break the cycle. It's been two years since you arrived in town. Right on schedule, you've killed again. But this time it was different. This time the coldness stayed with you, and instead of feeling empty afterwards, you only wanted to kill again. It all ties back to your mistress, Helen. Helen provided you with passion, a passion so strong that it kept your other desires at bay. But as time progressed, that passion started to fade. At first, you couldn't tell what had happened. But then you discovered her relationship with Daniel. He's the one that took your anchor away. Once you realized that he was to blame, you were overwhelmed with the need to take his life. The urge was stronger than it's ever been in the past. But then killing Daniel did not change things between you and Helen. If anything, it seemed to drive her further away. Now your urge has a new target, Daniel's best friend, Joey, and Alice has captured him for you. You're returning home from giving the opening sermon at Daniel's funeral. Helen stood you up again and you're feeling angry. As you enter the house, you can almost taste the desire to kill. You see that Alice is waiting for you, but she is alone. He's gone, she says. Joey is gone. You temporarily lose your sense of calm. The emotions flood back in. How could you let him escape? What were you thinking? There's a long silence and Alice starts to cry. You sit with her at the kitchen table. You suddenly feel trapped. For the first time in your life, you've been backed into a corner. If you stay here, you will be caught. If you leave, you'll lose Helen. You cannot see a way out. As you're packing your bag, you know that you're making the right decision. Your feelings towards Alice are conflicted. In the past, she's only helped you after a kill, cleaned up what you did. But this time, she started to act like a true partner, like an equal in the relationship. Abducting Joey was her expression of love, the kind of love that you've always wanted from her. She's changed for you, changed in a way that you didn't think she could. But now because of that change, the police are going to be after her soon. You have to take responsibility for what she has become. You have to leave town. You have to leave Helen. The cold voice of silence rage is guiding you to get out quickly. You're packing a small bag with only the essentials when you hear a knock on the door. It's Joey. He's accompanied by Kim, Daniel's old housekeeper. Joey is covered in dirt and looks injured. You feel a small smile creeping across your face. You knew that God would bring him back to you. They both push their way into the house, closing the door behind them. Alice joins you. She looks as pale as a ghost. Kim speaks first. I have it on video, she reveals. I recorded what you did. You're stunned. You feel your face turn pale. There's proof now. You've always been so meticulous, 
The calm, cool voice has guided your every move and accounted for every detail. But this time it failed you. You can't understand how this is happening. Kim speaks again. I wasn't going to show anyone. I got what I wanted and I was going to leave town. I was going to leave you alone. But then you hurt Joey. I know that you want to kill him now and I can't let you kill anyone else. She moves in front of Joey. I'm going to give you one chance to leave. Leave now and never come back. I don't want to go to the police. They can't know that I was there that day. You remain fixated on Joey. Every muscle in your body is screaming to take his life. Suddenly, Alice lunges at Kim with a knife. You're frozen. Kim fights and screams while Joey wrestles her off. Kim is injured, but the knife did not cut very deep. Alice is about to lunge again when Kim presses a button on her phone. The video's live now. There's no turning back. You restrain Alice while Kim and Joey run. What have you done, you ask? The late summer heat bears down as you drive along a deserted road. Alice has dyed her hair red, and you have a shaved head now. The scene is familiar to you, and at the same time, it's not. You and Alice are silent. The sense of anticipation is gone. For the first time in your entire life, you feel powerless. Kim's video is already on every major news outlet. You simply cannot start over anymore. You're stuck in the beginning of your time loop, the part where you have no name and no past. You have disappeared. You have finally become a ghost. Somewhere in another world, a ghost was set free today. A man who was trapped at his own funeral was buried. The cicadas are silent. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You have been listening to Ghost Story, a podcast brought to you by Cold Plunge Studios. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button on the podcast player of your choice. For more content, visit us at ghoststorypodcast.com. And finally, thank you for listening. I see grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first